We are in week 20, Numbers chapters 11 through 14 and 20 through 24. I want to start in verse 11. We'll be jumping a little bit with just things that stood out to me. And the first is, as the people are complaining and the Lord is displeased. And it says that the uttermost part of them were consumed because he's so done with their complaining. I mean, he's just worked these miracles again and again and again for them. And I'm sure he's just frustrated. And this is verse one. And then I want you to go to verse eight. I mean, they're tired of the manna and I don't blame them. I mean, I, I, I read this and just think, Ooh, okay, this is, familiar to me but what hit me in verse 8 and the people went about and gathered it ground it in mills or beat it in mortar and baked it in pans and made cakes of it and what hit me is they are trying to make it a better situation there are complainers versus doers and when things don't go right or you don't like this situation have you ever noticed there are people who go to work to make it better, to figure something out instead of sitting and whining and complaining. And that is so impressive to me. And it's interesting, we've moved 14 times. It's interesting to move in and figure out very, very quickly who the doers in the ward are. And it's impressive. They are the people you want to be associated with because you know that they will get to work and solve the issues. And that is such an amazing thing. And one of the other things that hit me in verse 10, Moses heard the people weep and Moses also was displeased. Now, Moses doesn't have any hidden food. He doesn't have a stash somewhere. And he's displeased. He's going through it with them. And we see this so often. Prophets and apostles, Joseph Smith suffered right along with the saints when they weren't being righteous. Nephi suffered right along with his siblings when they weren't obeying. He didn't have some secret stash. His kids suffered. His wife suffered for food. And in verse 15, it says, kill me, I pray thee, out of thy hand, if I have found favor in thy sight. That's Moses. (coughs) He's just done with it. And how many times have we read the story of Nephi with Laman and Lemuel's murmuring and said, oh my gosh, just be done. Do you remember Elder Holland saying, just stop complaining, please. And here's in verse 20, but even a whole month, the Lord says, I will have the meat come. It will come out of your nostrils and it will be loathsome to you. And I just thought, you know, it is amazing the gift of working, the gift of not complaining, the gift of gratitude. And all of us know what it is. We know people who whine and complain over everything. And it is tiring and exhausting. And so for me, the lesson in that was be a worker, be a doer. Don't complain. Get to work. Hit your knees. See what you can do to solve the situation. And I loved that kind of lesson in there for me. It really made me reflect, am I a complainer or am I a doer? And here's the truth, sometimes I'm a complainer. So it makes me want to do better.
Okay, I love at the end of that, and, and this has been covered, but I love that Moses says, envious thou for my sake, when they say there are these two men out prophesying along with the 70s who have been called. And he says, would to God that all the Lord's people were prophets, and the Lord would put his spirit in all of them. And I just want to say, and this has been said a million times, but President Nelson has asked us all, to learn how the Lord speaks to us so that we can all have that. We don't have to go to him to pray for our answers. We can learn. And would to God that all of us had that gift. I'm sure President Nelson would say that too. I love that. It's so profound. Okay, verse or chapter 12. Um, Miriam and Aaron complain about Moses. And what hit me in this is the no evil speaking. And I had a sister get married and um, what the guy that married them said, one of the commitments we make in the temples to never speak guile of the Lord's anointed. And he said, who is the Lord's anointed? And we all kind of sat there and he said, the Lord's anointed is all of us. We are all his. So it is never evil speaking of any. When people are called to a calling, get to work, support them. Don't evil speak them. I always think, ooh, watch your mouth. When you start complaining about someone else and how they're doing things, God's going to give you that calling. And I know that to be true because it has happened before. And so I love that. Just this whole thought of no evil speaking. We are all the Lord's children. So let's make sure that other people's names are safe with us. And so that was a huge aha in that one for me. Okay. Um, I love in chapter 13 when, um, oh yeah. So the spies come to Canaan and only Joshua and um and now I'm not even thinking who the other one is. I know who it is, but I'm drawing a blank. Um Caleb, come back with a good report and the others falsify their report to make it sound worse. And I love that they are so bugged and it's so offensive to God as Caleb and Joshua are saying it is off awesome. This land is awesome. Let's go. God is going to help us. This is going to be ours. And the people come and have this far-fetched, they lie. They say they're giants and we're as grasshoppers and they make it sound so much worse. And what that hit me is in chapter 4, verse 1 of 1 Nephi, and Laman and Lemuel are talking about Laban. And they just say, he can command 50, he can slay 50, then why not us? And I love this verse in verse 1. And it came to pass, I spake to my brethren, saying, Let us go to Jerusalem. Let us be faithful in keeping the commandments of the Lord. For behold, he is mightier than all the earth. Then why not mightier than Laban and his 50, yea, even his tens of thousands? And I just love this comparison of Caleb and Joshua, who have no fear and faith and fear cannot coexist. Fear is the voice and a tool of Satan. And believe me, as a mom, I have fallen to its effects many times. And I have to remember who God is and that he loves my children, that he delights to honor and bless us, and he wants them to be even greater than I do. He loves them even more than I do. And we cannot speak in a voice of fear because that's Satan's 
voice. We have to quiet that and remember who we are and who they are. So I love that. Um, in 14, it says, And they will tell it to the inhabitants of the land, for they have heard that thou, Lord, are among this people. And I just love that testimony that we are yours and you're among us. And then the people decide because they know they've done this horrible thing by falsifying those people who falsified are killed. And then the Lord tells them that they will be cursed to wander for 40 years and they start to feel sorry. And so they decide they're going to go up and fight anyway. And Moses tells them not to. But they decide they're going to. They've been warned not to. And the message for me here is humility. Never, They don't turn to God and say, we're sorry. What would you have us do? They go again going, okay, first we've had falsified reports. So we're going to listen to fear and we're not going to go. Second, they say, okay, we were wrong. We're going to go. And they've been warned and they've been told and they've been taught. And they're going to try anyway. And again, that is such a lesson to me of just go to the Lord, be a doer, pray, ask, but seek his guidance, learn how he speaks to us. And I love in 44, they presume to go, nevertheless, the ark of the covenant of the Lord and Moses departed not out of the camp. The prophet did not go and neither did the ark. So you're on your own. You have been warned. You have been told, go. And he lets them go. And it tells us in 45, they were smote and discomfited. They lost. And I think it is amazing that Moses lets them, but he does not go. He, he is not going to budge. He knows where they need to be. And I love that. Okay. Um, chapter 20, I love in verse 8. Oh, the Lord says the people start to complain again and they have no water and they're thirsty. And the Lord says, and this is so interesting to me, I, I did not remember this. Take the rod, gather thou the assembly, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rod before their eyes and it shall give forth his water. And I speak has a footnote, but it doesn't, it takes you to where he struck the rod before and water came out. And here in 11, Moses lifted up his hand with his rod. He smote the rock twice and water came out abundantly. 12, and the Lord spake to Moses and Aaron, because ye believed me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, ye shall not bring this congregation in the land which I have given them. And what that meant to me is here was an opportunity. The Lord brings even this greater miracle. Speak to it and it will come. And to me, that's the priesthood power. Speak to it in my name, the priesthood power, because it's God's power that brings the water, right? And they doubt it. And so they use what they know has been done before. They smite it twice and the water comes. So the miracle does happen but not the way God directed. And so they lose out on this opportunity of the promised land. And the thing that I love about this is Aaron goes on in this chapter to die. And then in verse 27, Moses did as the Lord commanded. And that 
just is so touching to me because he never complains, or at least we don't have it here. We don't have any record of him murmuring or saying, what the heck, I've been dealt this hand with all these millions of people who complain, and I do what you ask. Moses takes it because he knows, and if you go back a few chapters to where are a few weeks and come follow me, put a difference between holy and unholy. And he knows the difference. And he let his doubt get the better of him. And that is such a profound example to me. How often do I go back to what I know has worked and not do what the Lord has asked or not petition the Lord? So what a great example that is. The last thing um, I wanted to talk about is in chapter 21, and you'll know the story of Balak and Balaam, and I love that story, but this is the last thing that hit me, and it was the fiery flying serpents and the failure to look. And I heard in several podcasts just the beautiful analogy to us not believing that God can save us, doubting what we have been taught in the gospel, that we will dwell with him forever if we continue to strive, not to be perfect, but to strive, that we doubt him. And that is a failure to look. And the thing that came back to mind is Elder Gary Sabin gave a talk years ago, and I think it was 2018, and I think it was called Stand Up on the Inside or All In, Um, But he told the story of being a scout leader and taking the scouts out camping. And in the morning, he gets up and there's a a scout standing by the fire that's gone out. And he looks like he's freezing. And he says, did you have a good sleep? And the scout says, no, I was freezing cold. The fire went out. And Brother Saban says to him, or Elder Saban says to him, wasn't your sleeping bag warm? And the boy doesn't answer. And then another scout says he never got in it. And then Elder Saban says to him, why not? And finally, the boy says to him, because I figured if I didn't unroll it, I wouldn't have to roll it up in the morning. And Elder Saban says, you know, it sounds ridiculous that he wanted to save five minutes of time so went cold suffered and was cold all night. And then he says, but how many of us are allowing ourselves to go spiritually cold, to save time, not reading our scriptures, not saying our prayers, not going to church, not going to the temple. And what that reminded me that chapter is, I have always thought, well, why wouldn't they just look And for the first time, I thought, how often have I been guilty of not believing and not looking? And when Elder Saban said that, and it just pierced my heart as I thought, how many times have I gone spiritually cold because I wanted to save time? And that is a little painfully close to comfort, too close to comfort. And just strikes at my heart. And so I love these lessons to be a doer, not a complainer. To be someone who looks to believe with all our hearts that God can do what he says he can do. To have faith in that when he says, speak in my name. That he will work miracles. To not rely on what we have known in the past. But to seek to hear how he speaks and guide us. And to expect, as President Nelson said, to pray for miracles. 
in our life and expect them. I love those lessons. I so hope you know that church is true. And more than that, I hope you know how much our Savior loves you.